We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of Your Welcome Radio. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, founder of Coachable. I'm a corporate dropout and recovering people pleaser turned online entrepreneur, speaker, and self-love junkie. And each week, I bring you a thought or a guest to help you get inspired, stay connected, and slay your fear dragons. So get ready to thank yourself for listening, because you're welcome here. Justin, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. I'm glad to have you here. Tori, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, guys, um, I want to introduce Justin Keller, who is somebody that I have been connected with for a little while now on social media. And that's how I make so many internet friends these days, which is, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, and recently he asked me to be on a podcast of his, which I will let him talk about, um, but wanted to have him on to, to speak to his story. And he's just a really cool, creative, conscious guy. And um, yeah, I want to shed some light on the cool things that he's doing in his work. So Justin, again, thank you for being here. I want you to, to share with people a little about you and your background and how you got into being an entrepreneur as well as writing books and having your own podcast and just being this like all around creative guy while balancing family and dad life. Yeah. Well, I would say two words that probably would capture that would be accidental and curious. Hmm. And so both of those things, you know, I fell into graphic design really out of a love for just art. And then I was terrible. I knew I couldn't write. I knew I couldn't do math. And so I was running out of options because I wasn't going to, you know, make it, make it in the pros to be an athlete or anything like that either. So sort of out of necessity, I gravitated toward art and then in design. And then from there, um, I just kept trying different things that were related to it. Anything that was related to feeding my creativity without worrying a whole lot about the money side of it for a while, which in hindsight, I'm glad I did. And also in hindsight, there would have been smarter ways to approach that. But anyway, all of that just really led to accident, accidentally becoming really graphic designer, accidentally becoming a creative director, accidentally starting my own business when I just decided, Hey, I'm probably at the limit here working for somebody else. I'm about to have a family at that point. And so I definitely need to figure something out. And so <laughs> everything's been out of just being you know, curious and then accidentally falling into things by just taking action. And um, that's sort of how I got going and, and how I started my business. Yeah. Yeah. So you have this full-time business, your full-time dad. Somehow you make time to write two books, a children's book and have a podcast. You're like, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you are either really good at managing your time or you're just 
you're just packing so much into a day. You've got so much going on. How does the book writing and the podcast, all of that fold into to your work? And when did those things kind of come into fruition for you? Yeah, so there's always a, a really interesting balance of uh, there are things that I feel like I can do that help feed the business aspect. And so there's always something going on with that. And then there's just these other things that I feel like I have to have this outlet of some sort and it's creative outlet. Usually it could be, I do Ironman triathlons as well and stuff. So it could be just something other than what people are demanding from me. I need to find an outlet. And so it's not that I'm disciplined by nature. It's not that I'm a good time management person at all. I'm actually neither of those (laughs) by default. I am one of the most unorganized people you'll ever meet and left to my own demise. I mean, life would be fun. It's just messy. And so I learned though that that's just an excuse. And years ago, sort of what kind of flipped the switch for me was when I did my first uh, training for Ironman uh, distance triathlons. In order to be able to do that and still work full-time, I had to start getting up at 4am. And so this would have been maybe eight, nine years ago, maybe 10 years ago now. And so by getting up at 4am, I found that I was discovering like a whole new day and people that weren't getting stuff done. I was getting so much more done in that time. And so it just stuck after doing that for five years, it just kept, and I found in my business when I had my son at home, it was uh, for me to get up at 4am. If I got up at four, I could actually work on stuff that wasn't business client related for three hours, spend time with him, have breakfast, and then get to work for clients and then be back home with family. So for me, it was more about, I felt this, I've always felt this desire to do stuff for myself, regardless of who likes it or not. Yet I had to be aware of there are demands and obligations that I have to respond to. So it was just about figuring things out. And when I get stuck on like an idea, like my conviction gets the best of me and I'm going to do it. And Mm -hmm. so that's why the kids books, I've got a series of them that I'm going to be finishing. Um, The business books. I mean, I'm just constantly thinking about what's the next best thing to, for me to articulate kind of where I'm at, what I'm feeling, what I want to maybe learn myself and what might help one other person. That's kind of how I go about it. Yeah. I love that. It's similar to me in terms of just feeling like you've got all of this pent up inspiration or creativity or something and wanting that outlet to be able to express it. Where does your inspiration come from? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, it's just observation of, of life. And a lot of inspiration comes from um, probably first pain points that I'm experiencing would be very inspiring to me typically. Um, I remember when I lost my mom at 27, I never ran maybe more than like a mile at that point. And the first thing I did the morning I woke up when she passed away was I went for a few miles, you know, for a run. And from there, I decided I signed up for a half marathon. So anything I can point back to, like even with my son, there was these lessons that I felt like I wish somebody would have told me sooner that I'm sitting there holding him when he was just a baby thinking, how do I get him to grasp this young enough? And so it was out of pain point of feeling like I want him to have something maybe that I didn't. So I'm going to write these books for him. Same with the, the Human Always, one of my, the most recent book I wrote, really was birthed out of the season when I was going through my divorce and was forced to not look at somebody else in the relationship and just look at myself. For the, probably the first time ever that I couldn't get away with blaming anybody else and I had to look at my own life. Mm. That, that pain inspired me to just dive deep into what this means and what can it become. And so I just express it. I never express worrying about how many people are going to like it. I just express knowing... If I don't write it down, if I don't do this, it's I'll forget it and then I won't benefit from the pain. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a beautiful representation of alchemizing pain into purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's so true for me. I mean, when I started my podcast, it was from explicitly a selfish place of wanting 
an, a platform that I could work through some of these questions and things that I was learning or had learned um, and sharing that with people. Yeah. If it helped, you know, great. But it was really for me to learn from other people and bring people on that that could help me in my own journey um, along the way. And in the same way, you know, we have, we're in the, the same club of losing our mom at the same age. And, and these opportunities that life gives us to look in the mirror at, Hey, how are we handling this? How are we processing it? And finding healthy ways to do that. I think you've, you found so many amazing outlets that now in retrospect, you know, it might've been because you were trying to work through something, but it's touching so many lives and helping other people to do the same thing. I don't think, yeah, and it's also, I, I would probably say for you too, where it's not just the pain, it's also the desire. So, you know, your desire to have a platform, right? To do something great with. Um, that selfish desire is what you called it. I just, it's just desire. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, I don't think it's selfish. If, it's only selfish if you hoard it. And so same for me in a lot of these things, whether it's my podcast or the books, it is a desire to, I didn't see something that fit me the way I wanted it to as well, which kind of is pain and desire married together. And so let's create that. Let's put that into the world because I guarantee you there's one more person like me at Mm -hmm. least that's going to say, Hey, I never thought about it like that. Or I did think about it like that, but I never heard it like that. So it's that pain and desire. I think that both drive that for probably for you too, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And I love the title of your podcast because it's fight for brilliance. Where did that come from? Like where, what does it mean to you to fight for brilliance? Yeah. So the simplest way to sum it up is about two years ago, I wrote down a simple statement as I was trying to figure out like, what am I doing in my life? And, um, you know, whether I had a business, I had a lot of things on the surface that seemed like maybe I know what I'm doing, but it was all a mess. Like it was all a facade, like underneath it, it was just shit. And so really I wrote down a simple statement that what I felt like I was created to do and like what is hardwired in me and just the way I'm driven and so on is to rebel against complacency and conformity. That's all I had written down first. And so I, and I realized that's the same in my life. Like that's why I challenge myself with Ironman. That's why I push myself in other areas. That's why I tackle, I take on way too many things for sure. There's no doubt. None of it makes sense. Hmm. But it's also what I do with the organizations that I work with is I'll look at what they're doing and I just, I won't let them settle for comfort and complacency. And so by writing that down, it was a journey for a couple of years. And ultimately I realized what it's about is it's fighting for the God-given brilliance that's inside of each of us. And, and I didn't love myself enough to see that for, you know, until I was probably 38 years old. And now you know how old I'm getting to be. I'll be 40 <laughs> here in July. But it took me a long time to love myself enough to realize that I'm actually made brilliant and still made a mess. And mm-hmm. so when I realized that even me and my flaws and, and still continual like mess ups and flaws that surface, I still, I don't get beat up over them because I realize I'm still created brilliant. And I believe, you know, for me, it's God. And I believe that he created me a brilliant human being. And there's nothing more honoring with this life than being able to just be confident in that. And so for me, that was what I started just really feeling passionate about helping other people see is you are brilliant. Like I say that at the end of every podcast on the outside of the series that I'm in is that I'll leave it every single episode with you. Yes, you you are brilliant because I needed to hear that. And so I tell myself that every week and I try to tell other people through that as well. So that's ultimately what it means is rebel against complacency and conformity. And I think that is the fight for brilliance in our lives. Yeah. You hit on so many things that I relate to and that I speak to and believe in. And you, like me, you're a seeker. You're, you're interested in getting to the truth of things, things that connect and resonate like at your 
at a soul level and complacency wasn't one of those for you, you know, like that didn't feel right. And it was always what pushed you to grow and to deepen, um, like your experience of yourself and of the world and what, where does that fit? Um, and then you speak to this acceptance of yourself as well. Like the journey of self-acceptance, I think is what we're all, all on. Um, personally, I, I think we come into this life and we learn fear and we learn all these labels and identities of who we are, who we're supposed to be. And, and the, the, the evolution for us is to unlearn all that and to see what you said, the truth of who we are has always been brilliant. It hasn't ever been broken. We saw ourselves as broken and needed fixing and something was wrong with us, but the truth was always brilliance. And, and that we can trust that trusting ourselves is trusting that God didn't make a mistake when he created us, <laughs> trusting sure. our truth, trusting that even though you might consider this a mess, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be, or this is exactly what I'm supposed to be learning. And it couldn't be any other way or it would yeah. be. And that's trusting that is trusting the divine in my opinion. And yeah. I think we're all learning to come into that acceptance of ourselves instead of living from a place of trying to change it or do more, be more, achieve more so that then we can be, um, accepted, accepting ourselves right, right now. And that's like such a beautiful, I think, representation of that, that sums up everything that you talk about in your podcast. Yeah. And I'd say even that instead of not seeing the brokenness, instead being able to see that brokenness and brilliance can coexist and that they're all part of the same story, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So instead of being afraid of my brokenness, which doesn't go away, no matter how many therapy sessions I go to, you know, there is healing that is continually happening inside of each of us, but there's also brokenness that it's just, there's layers upon layers that I'm not afraid to uncover one and find another. And each one I uncover exposes another that I didn't see when I got through that one. So I just think it's that too, just the the beauty of the coexistence of the brokenness and the brilliance and not one is to be diminished or magnified more, you know? Right. There's not this like future that we're always like trying to achieve of when I heal it all, then I'll be good. It's, it's being an acceptance of this might reveal something else in me that needs healing. And I'm, that's great, you know, because it's one last thing that is keeping me from being a full expression of who I am and that I'm okay with whatever is revealed or comes up, I think is, is amazing. Hey, you guys, I just want to pause and take a minute to remind you about the Master Your Emotions 10-Day Challenge that is happening right now in the month of April. This is a fantastic way to learn how to feel, express, release, and digest everything that's happening right now in the world. So often we can push down our emotions, suppress them, and avoid anything that's uncomfortable. But what we're learning scientifically is actually that emotion is getting stored in our body and then it is manifesting as tension, headaches, and dis-ease. In this 10-day challenge, I not only teach you about how emotional blockages could be leading to physical illness, but I also will teach you my tips and strategies for releasing trapped emotion so that you can release that and create space energetically for all of the beautiful emotions like bliss and pleasure and joy and so that those emotions can be heightened in your life. 
This is absolutely critical for living an extraordinary life. I mean, the work that I do, as you know, is such an emphasis on emotional, physical, behavioral, spiritual, and mental health and healing. And during this 10-day challenge, we do a deep dive into your emotions and help you to really activate emotions that have probably been buried for years and years and years, help to bring that to the surface, and then allow you to let that go so it doesn't continue to burden you energetically and just physically as well. This offer is only available in the month of April for my birthday at $29. You guys, $29 for 10 days of transformational teaching and tools. This will leave you differently if you implement the work and the exercises that I give you guys. And 29% of your giving is going to go straight to charity, to the Red Backpack Fund, which during COVID-19 is helping to fund grants to female-founded businesses just like mine. So thank you for that contribution. Make sure to jump into the 10-Day Challenge to master your emotions right now. You can check the link in the show notes. So you're in a series right now on the podcast called Bright Side Chats. And I love the idea of this. Can you kind of talk about where the idea for Bright Side Chats came from and, and what it is that you're exploring in the series? Yeah. So, and I appreciate you being on it and part of it too. That was a great conversation and it's been fun to be able to connect with like you and I connected face to face, I guess, virtually yeah. for the first time through that. So I, I appreciate that so much. And um, it basically just started for me a few weeks ago or so, almost a month ago, I guess now that's whatever it's been. And you're scrolling through the feeds on social media, you're scrolling through news and you're just seeing fear. You're seeing uncertainty and and you're just bombarded with like, this is true. That's not true. He's wrong. He's right. And it's just, I don't know about you, but in the middle of all the other things that we're navigating, I didn't have time for that. And I didn't know how anyone would, but I did feel like, why don't we try to combat the fear and uncertainty and create a positive voice out into you know people's lives. And so for me, there was other ideas that uh, a developer of mine and we had talked about building this platform and this big grand thing and I'm glad we didn't because if we would have, it would have still been like work being worked on and not mm-hmm. done. But what I ended up just doing is saying, okay, what if I strip it back down and I say, what do I have right now to work with? You know, where am I at? And I had my current podcast, Fight for Brilliance, to work with a platform that already existed. So I just decided I'm going to do a series and feature stories of people because it, I didn't feel like it's a season of needing experts in telling us like, here's the 10 ways to be the best worker at home. Here's the, here's the five things you need to do to make sure your kids are emotionally well through all of this. Like, like it just starts to sound like a bunch of noise and bullshit after a while. Hmm. All I'm looking for is someone that sounds like me and is navigating something similar to me. And we do that through stories. And so I just thought I'm going to try to find 30 people that are doing this and let people, different people resonate with different stories and bring them underneath one roof and just spend 30 days fighting for optimism because I can't, you know, live in this negative world. And so I got to find the bright side. So I started for me, it was more of a necessity. Like I'm going to go to deep, dark places if I don't fight to find the good through all of this each day. And I find the good personally through gratitude. And so Mm -hmm. it just started as that as a platform to share people's stories. um, Let people know that we actually are in this together if we let ourselves be. And sometimes we just need that reminder from someone else's story. Yeah. It's super refreshing because, you know, I think there's so many perspectives on what's you know, what's going to come out of the season and what's appropriate during the season. And, um, 
you know, there are those that think, you know, there isn't room. There, this is not the time for joy. You know, this is the people are hurting. People are struggling. People are suffering. People are dying. Like yeah. we need to, you know, be in reality. And there are those voices that I see and I hear. And um, I also think like you, this is a time more than ever that we need um, to look for, look for the purpose, look for the optimism, look for the silver linings and not as a way to bypass what we're all experiencing, but as a contrast, because contrast in our lives is what brings, like what makes joy and bliss so beautiful is the pain, is the darkness. And we have to have both, but it's this, you know, it's the dance. And I think you bring, bring that, that contrast to everything that we're, we're going through. And I appreciate that. I acknowledge you for doing that. And, um, you know, I've gotten to listen to some of the other ones that you've had on and they're really remarkable people. I was just really privileged to be asked. And I'm just curious for you, like, what is the biggest challenge you face during this season? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, it's probably just figuring out my son, like the schedule with him and, you know, having a business, trying to figure out everything's changed inside of that. Even how do I put myself into in front of people in, in front of my market in a way that's reverent still to what's going on, not having the full time to give to either. And so the split, I guess, time that requires full focus mm-hmm. has been difficult. And I think just also with, with that being said, um, just realizing, I think the biggest struggle for me too has also just been realizing some of the the gaps that still exist in, inside of me in the way that I interact in underneath stressor, uh, stressors and pains and, and things like that. I think some of that's being exposed a little bit uncomfortably right now for me. Um, so it's a little bit of a trying to find the good, but yet I'm feeling really stressed at the same time and also feeling sometimes frustrated with the way I responded and then having to fight back to bounce you know, to a better place. And so I think it's just more than ever, each of the emotions are heightened. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's been, that's been an interesting, um, I think battle for me. Yeah. I was talking to a client earlier today, just about that. And she was expressing the high level of anxiety that she's been feeling to the extent that she can't, um, relax, you know, even in the time that she does have, it's like, I, I feel behind. I feel like I have to be doing like checking off all these to-do lists that I've had, like, and I've got to go have something to show for the season that I've accomplished mm-hmm. and done the, these things because I've seen all over Instagram, you know, if you don't come out of quarantine with a new skill and a new business and a new, like you're an expert in this thing, like you've done quarantine wrong. And so I think there's a lot of judgment that we can have on ourselves about the right way to do things. And so similar to you, I think it's revealing a lot to a lot of us. And that can be, we can perceive that as good or bad. We're the ones that give it that meaning. And Mm so my my take on this for myself is to be more compassionate than ever heighten that like heighten the level of compassion that I have for myself as I am seeing these things be exposed and revealed in the same way that we have compassion for other people and what they're going through because what is always so what comes up a lot with my clients at least is the way in which we're so loving and so understanding and patient with everybody else and what they're going through. Yet we are, we criticize ourselves and then we, you know, we find ourselves melting under struggle and then we judge ourselves for letting ourselves do that. And then feeling like we have to overcompensate and just kind of in this, you know, back and forth. And I think 
for me, something I'm really trying to practice is when I find myself in those, those positions, just being like loving on myself a little bit more. You give what you are always. And so you're, what you're talking about is exactly the kind of the hard look I've had to put inside of and look inside of myself and say is, all right, I was just really short with someone. And if I look at myself right now, it's because I'm actually feeling maybe disappointed in myself right now, or I look, it forces me to see my reactions and look back internally first and say, okay, wait, what's going on? Because if I, if I don't deal with that and feel compassionate towards myself first, I'm not going to extend it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is a real sobering, it is a real sobering season for sure. And then also I really do pride myself on being very present because that is something I've focused the last two years on, mm-hmm. especially with my son, but it exposed how I've used oftentimes busyness and to, to fill time. And even with him, we can be present, but be busy. Yep. And this really exposed for me that is like, you're not as much of a rock star, Justin, at being present as you think you are. Mm-hmm. Strip away the excess and see how content you still feel. And, mm-hmm. and so it's really been sobering. Well, because I think we're all being forced to be with ourselves and the people in our lives yeah. in a new way, in a more conscious way, because there aren't the distractions that fill the time, yeah. you know, that we're used to. And the going and coming that like fills the day that we're typically doing now, we're just present at our homes and we've got all this extra space and we're feeling, we're realizing, okay, now my mind's in a different place or maybe I'm, you know, now I'm thinking about this other thing where I should be really present and I'm not. And it's one of the things that I say is I want to learn to be my best, like my best friend, because I'm my constant companion. I have to be with myself 24 seven. So I need to learn how to be good company. That's good. And if I'm a bitch to be with, I don't want to spend that much time with myself. Right. And so I distract and I busy myself so that I don't have to be alone with my own thoughts and my own criticisms and judgments. And so that's one of the reasons, um, I, you know, I just, I recognize it in myself. So you know, what was going to, I was going to say is, you know, if your son, how old is he? He's five. Five. So if he came to you and he was like feeling overwhelmed or frustrated or something, you know, and how do you typically talk to him through, through something when he's, something's really present, like some uncomfortable emotions really present for him. Typically like, well, it's okay. You're safe. It's going to be okay. You know, cry it out, whatever. Like instead with us, we're like, suck it up. When are, why are you like feeling this way? Like get it together, you know? <laughs> Yeah. You're thinking I'm a better dad than I am because I think I do revert to what you just did right there, which is suck it up, son. Come on, let's go. We got to get dressed. Let's get out of that. Yeah. I mean, but it's, you're, you're, it's funny because it is about the season and the stress and, and how you respond to that. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And we're, maybe we're noticing the way that we are with our partner or our kid or whoever. It's like, is that the way I am with myself? That I'm telling it myself, is. like, yeah. suck it up. Like, let's move on, get to the next thing. We don't have time to really feel this right now. We need to like, go do the next thing, you know? What's the, it's as simple as I think hurt people hurt people or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think you can take that to every single different, um, different emotion and different action and reaction and say, hurt people hurt people. So what does that mean? If they're hurt, there's probably layers of, uh, someone who judges, they're probably judging themselves. Someone who's jealous is probably dealing with certain insecurities themselves. Like Mm -hmm. every single thing we project is an internal reflection. And so it's when I, I, I mean, I'll tell myself there, I was so short with my son when we first, when I first was separated and living on my own, I felt all, I just, I was in a terrible place and I was, I didn't love myself. Mm-hmm. And I was, the way I responded to my son in that season 
it breaks my heart because it's not the way I respond to him when I love myself. Like I have so much grace and compassion and love for him right now than I ever did in patience because I have the same level, if not more for myself. Mm-hmm. And so it's just not anything more important. I don't think than learning to just love yourself a lot. And yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. And it's, it's an important confronting realization, you know, for a lot of us, we don't want to look at that. You know, what does it say about me? If I, yeah. you know, if I do this or I treat someone this way, or if I'm short with, you know, someone that I love. And I think it's actually the most, sometimes taking that attention and putting that on yourself and, and giving yourself kind of the, um, you know, the justice of your own process and giving yourself that time is considered selfish. Oh, like I need to be in service of others. Like I don't have time to focus on myself. I need to be doing this other thing for somebody else. And I'm like, it's really the most selfless thing you can do to love yourself, to prioritize your needs, to, to honor mm-hmm. your needs and to give that to yourself because it's fundamentally going to change how yeah. you're treating other people when you are coming from that place of, of love and grace and acceptance for sure. Um, I think, we're all, you know, figuring that out little, little by little. Yeah, for sure. So tell me, um, since starting Brightside Chats, like, have there been any specific insights that you've taken away from your guests? Like, what have you been learning from them that has stuck out to you that might be, um, something that, that you can share with our listeners that they can might take into this season too? Yeah. So trying to do the interviews, 30 interviews in 30 days is, not leaving a lot of room for contemplation and reflection right now. <laughs> and um, implement, implementing all the yeah, things. Yeah, so, yeah, because I always kind of operate in this, in this, you know, these, in this three, and it's usually, you know, creating, consuming, and um, contemplation. They all work, to, they all are all happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Just right now, the emphasis is on creating. And so, um, the little I've thought about it would be probably just some of the things we've even talked about already would be in every single person's story so far, um, I've seen a smile in their story, but I've also heard them talk about the struggle. And so to me, every story has been consistent that both the, the pain and the beauty are both equally present and both equally important. And I'm seeing that in everybody's story, no matter where they're coming from. And then I would say just the other simple thing that's not so simple, but is everybody's making a decision to choose a different direction than maybe it could go for them. And I, so I, I hate the the stuff out there that just talks about like, you know, I don't think anyone needs to just get over it. Um, I don't think anyone, you know, at all needs to get over it, but I do believe that you do choose at some point what you're going to allow. And so choosing to be in this season, what I'm seeing is people aren't dismissing the reality. Okay. Optimism isn't even that it is not mm-hmm. the dismissal of reality. Neither is faith and neither is yep. hope like at all. And it's just something that has to exist at the same time as the negative, as mm-hmm. the dark and in, in, in pain, you know, mm-hmm. and nobody has figured out. Like I had my therapist on mm-hmm. and who I love because I just, I always think of her as someone who probably has it all figured out. And the first thing she said when we got on the interview was she just got done like having a breakdown or something like that, like the day before. And she said, expect that every three or four days. Mm-hmm. And so I'm seeing that everybody is neutrally human right now. Yep. And that has been like so beautiful. I'm obsessed with seeing that in people and um, nobody's an expert right now either. Mm-hmm. So nobody that I've had on has a clue of what to do other than what they're doing. 
And they don't even, we hardly have time now to figure out what the hell everybody else is doing. Yeah. And I think it's taking everybody off their pedestals. Like you just said, like having people like in our minds of, if you've got it figured out, you've got it going on, realizing I'm, they're just like me and I'm just like them. Like I can stop ranking myself and everybody else. And it just humanizes all of us um, in a way that's way more relatable um, than when we're thinking that somebody's got something that we don't have or that they know something that we don't know. It actually empowers you to realize I can find my, whatever feels authentic and true for me and what I can find my own answers. Like I don't have to necessarily get that from a specific person. Like I can go within myself and find that Um, because we're all, you know, realizing that even the people that we thought had it together are experiencing this on the same, you know, same level. Yeah. I'm just seeing so much beauty though inside of people. Like it's, I have always believed the best in humanity and this is just reinforcing that conviction. So it's been, I'm looking forward to being able to look back though and kind of dive into the individual stories. I've thought a lot about that and my therapist actually said, you're kind of doing a study on people right now. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm interested in looking back and kind of diving into the overlaps of everybody's stories though. Yeah, for sure. I would love to see something like that. Um, Earlier, you said something that triggered a memory in me of a quote that I love. Um, And I think you as well as anybody listening to this might relate. Um, and it says, love of self, love of other, two strands in a love braid. I've braided these strands together in all sorts of relationships and very in various degrees of grace. I've messed up in both directions, being self-centered, being a martyr, not knowing my own worth, not valuing the essential worth of the other. To love well is to get the balance right. And it's the work of a lifetime. And I think that's a beautiful picture of just this, this braid of the dance that we say between the contrast of the light and the dark, the pleasure and the pain, the suffering, you know, and then loving ourselves and then being of service to other people and like that prioritization and, and the time that we give to ourselves compared to the time that we give to, you know, our work or our families or whatever, that it's this braid and it, it takes both sides of it to, to form what it's meant to be. And like, I can totally relate to that, like messing up in both directions and having to go back and realizing, okay, that doesn't look right. And this is, doesn't feel right. Um, and this is not aligned. And then, and learning those lessons over the course of however, you know, our, our whole lifetime. Um, I don't know, just this, this weaving and interwovenness of and connectedness that it all is yeah. meant for us to have the full human experience. And I think, for many of us, this is realizing like, maybe I shouldn't be so afraid of pain, but pain can actually be a teacher. It can be a revealer to the contrast, which is the joy and the bliss and the pleasure that we're all wanting. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's, there's no, there's no timeline for anyone to ever get there or expectation that anyone has to get to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, like I always feel that the greatest tragedy sometimes is rushing through the pain you know, and we don't need to find the beauty in the pain right away. Like just stay present in the pain. Yeah. You know, sometimes. Yeah. I say suffering, like I define suffering by, you know, pain is mandatory in life. Jesus experienced pain, you know, like we all, I don't know anybody that's escaped life, not experiencing pain. Like it's inevitable. It's mandatory. Suffering is optional. Suffering is what happens when we try to skip over the pain. That's what I say. Suffering is because it's, it's this thinking that we can outsmart it yet. It's this subtle suffering that we experience in everything because it's not processed. It's not, it's, 
being avoided. It's acting like it doesn't exist, knowing that full well, like you said, on the outside, it looks this way, but on the inside of a mess, that's the suffering that we experience. And then when we can come into ownership and responsibility and acceptance of, no, this is just me. It feels that weight is like, you can like breathe a little bit deeper instead of trying to act like this pain wasn't, wasn't present. That's when actually the pain will, pain will dissipate in my opinion, when you actually acknowledge it. Yeah. Pain is, um, Ram Das talks about suffering and he, he talks about it is a, uh, it only, it happens when we cling. Right. And so, and I think clinging is sometimes is a byproduct of, uh, comparison. So if I, I don't know what to cling on to sometimes if I d- don't look at someone else's, what I think should be for me. And so I think that it's an interesting conversation around pain, suffering and, and all that, that yeah. it's, it's very interesting, but you're usually clinging to something, either the disappointment or the expectation, you know? Yeah. It's the attachment, the attachment yeah. to things we think are supposed to be a certain way. And when they're not, we suffer because yeah. of that attachment. Yeah. And I think, again, it just will keep pointing us all back to it. At least in my life, I keep it it's like pointing me back to acceptance of so just, can I accept yeah. things as they are right now and not try to change it? Because I'm resisting life. I'm resisting what is. And anytime we resist life as it is, we're going to suffer because we want to change yeah. it. And it just is what it is. So yeah, just greater, greater levels of being accepting of what's happening for sure. Um, I think you're awesome. You know, I appreciate your insights and what you do and how you show up in the world and show up, you know, online and show up for your clients and just, um, you're a light for sure. And we need more of that. And we need, you know, it's people like you that point the way for people like me and for anybody else that, you know, is part of your community. And that helps us all to, to walk up you know, a path where we feel like we're not alone and you help people to feel like they can connect with somebody else that's experienced something that they might be going through. So thank you for your contribution in the world. Yeah. I feel the same sentiments towards you too. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well guys, if um, you want to stay connected with Justin, how can, how can they do that? I'm just at Keller thinks uh, across, you know, pretty much every platform. I don't use TikTok, <laughs> but uh, definitely Instagram and Twitter typically more. So that's probably the best way. And then nice. Yeah, I'd say that's the best way. So Okay. And then find him. If you want to listen to his bright side chats, you can find um, yeah. the the podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, I imagine. Yeah. For, right? for the bright side chats, they can just go to brightsidechats.com um, okay. directly. And then of course on Apple Podcasts, you can just search for uh, Fight for Brilliance and Perfect. find me. So awesome. thank you so much for having me, Tori. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.